Welcome back to A Good Word, a Baptist Communicators podcast series for Christian communicators. I'm Jim Veneman. As we continue our series of conversations with BCA Lifetime members, I've been struck by the sheer variety of communications paths our members have walked and how much we can learn from the depth of experience they have to offer. Such is certainly the case with Floyd Craig. Starting as a print shop manager and photographer while at Southwestern Seminary in the late 50s, Floyd continues to operate his own business, Craig Communications, today, a communications career that has now touched eight decades. You can imagine that during that time, which included stints with the Baptist General Convention of Oklahoma, the Christian Life Commission, and the North Carolina Governor's Office, not to mention being a member of BCA since the early 60s, Floyd has seen a lot of changes in the communications world. But even so, some things have remained the same. A couple of years ago, Doug Rogers sat down with Floyd as part of a BCA Fall Forum. I think you'll be fascinated to learn from one who has spent so many years as a communications professional, yet still realizes there's more to be learned. Let's listen. I'm here today with one of my heroes in my Christian communication career, and that's Floyd Craig. First introduced uh, to his name when I was a student at Southwestern Seminary and used his book, the uh, Christian Communicator's Handbook, as a textbook, not knowing that one day I'd have the opportunity to meet him. And today I'm privileged to be with him. Floyd is a lifetime member of Baptist Communicators Association. Baptist Public Relations Association back in, in the day. And we have a lot to learn from Floyd and uh, all of our lifetime members. So today we want to spend just a few minutes with Floyd Craig and uh, learn what we can from somebody who has had a, a, a wealth of communications experience. So Floyd, thank you for being with us today. Thank you so much, Doug. I'm very honored and pleased to be with you today. Uh, my roots at BPRA and the Baptist Communications Association run deep because, as I recall, I was the first person to draw up the rules of the competition. And if you ever have an opportunity to do that for the organization, it's worth your while because you can always uh, benefit by that knowledge when you enter something later, years later. <laughs> so, so you set it up the way you wanted it to be. That's right, absolutely. And it's been approved as we went along. So I'm very honored. Uh, to be with you today, Doug, and appreciate your ministry, not just uh, with Alabama Baptist, but to so many in uh, the work that both of us have been in. And as you call, I gave you a word today, and that word could be very part of every member of the association. And I gave to Doug one word. The word is significant because I believe he is significant. And I believe the members of this association are extremely significant, not only because they're God's children, but because there is something unique and wonderful about each of you. And I would like for you to think about, yes, I am significant, and that you're significant to yourself and to your family and to so many others. So thank you for letting me be here. Well, and that in, in itself is a great word to start on because that's an encouragement. Um, let me ask you, here we are at a point where you've had a, a career that spanned at least 60 years and has been everything from 
state convention work to uh, other entities to um, secular, so to speak, work, a Christian in the secular workplace, and, and on and on. It would be easy to ask you what has changed over all those years, but I want to come from the opposite direction. Uh, as you look back over all the opportunities you've had in, in the communications world, what has remained the same? What are the things that you see um, uh, over all these years have, have essentially remained the, the same, the truths that are, are somewhat timeless? For me, it's the relationships, as we have talked today, about people who are our friends. They're not just any friends, they're friends um, who you can trust. And I think uh, over the years, the relationships with people in this field make your wife's life very worthwhile. In fact, they get at you out of, out of trouble a lot of times because you know them and you call them and say, what do I do about here? I've got this situation. Tell me how you handled it. And I think, too, there is another element of this, and that is I think the more I'm in this, the more I realize how serious it is. We're in a serious business. That's why I try awfully hard to to read everything I can get my hands on that has some relationship to this world and more. So I'm reading a whole range of things. And so I got onto that practice because of membership in this association. And so I think the things that remain, one of the things that remain is the fact that we have folks who are full of integrity. They actually tell the truth. And I do know that when that doesn't happen, we're in major trouble. And I appreciate that. Um, so the methods have certainly changed some. Thank goodness. Um, so I'm, I'm appreciative. My, my fear is that I will not know where the next big development is in communication. The other is, how do I connect with people and how do I know I'm connecting with them? So that's a, we talk about target marketing, which is the essence of that, but communication is a word that means two things. One, you communicate two, but you've got to hear, you've got to get a feedback. You've got to, hey, did you hear me? <laughs> it's kind of like speaking to your children. Did you, you did hear me, I wanted you to do so-and-so. So the methods have changed dramatically. Thank goodness for that. And, uh, but the trustworthiness and the ability to write a cogent sentence too. Uh, we almost lost the ability to spell because I'm a spell checker, <laughs> and, uh, which I, I'm a very poor speller. But, I do know that uh, I need to write better. And somebody used to say, well, it's about the fourth or fifth draft. Maybe it'll get through. <laughs> and with email, we tend to disregard most of the rules of, uh, of writing. So I think that method and its base is we need to be good writers. The storytelling doesn't change the the need, oh, no. the need to tell those stories. Yeah, the stories is what makes the truth stick. Yeah, uh, 
what would we do without the stories uh, and the experiences? And uh, you're right, it's, it's got to be stories too. The book I mentioned earlier, when you dedicated the second edition, dedicated your father and mother who first taught me to be still, in quotes, and to feel some of the world's hurts and to communicate the Christian life to some of those hurts. That was uh, something you wrote in, in this dedication. Does that still drive you? Do you still feel that's at the core of uh, what we do as Christian communicators? It really does. I can give you that. It's almost with me every day. Uh, my mother believed in the scripture, be still and know God. And we would go out as a family in a, in a, by a lake or woods where I grew up in Oklahoma. She would take me out into the woods and find a rock or a stump. And she would say, sit right there, Floyd, and listen till you can hear something. And the first time that happened, I, I didn't know what she meant. But the longer I sat there, the more you heard. I'd hear the birds, but there'd be so many other sounds. So in my almost daily experience, I've got to have, it's almost like medicine. I've got to have quiet. I've got to have silence. And I wind up writing prayers because of that. Uh, I hope the Lord's heard them. <laughs> Nobody else has seen them. But uh, they're everywhere. Sheets of paper in this house and drawers. Uh, a short prayer, sometimes long, when I'm burdened about someone or something. So being quiet helps me stay halfway sane. I'm not sure I will be sane when I eventually leave, but I think this, the meditations are desperate for most of us who communicate. They teach us, I think in seminaries, uh, about what we should say, but they don't teach us about listening. There is a knack and a skill in listening. And the more we can listen to people and not think ahead of them and say, well, oh, I know what you're talking about. No, tell me what you're really feeling. Mm -hmm. Tell me you're thinking about where you are. And I think also that leads you to be curious. My training as a journalist too caused me to be more curious than some people want to know. I ask more questions than I should, maybe. Because um, you notice a lot of people really don't ask you any questions. It's been interesting, I, one of the tests I run in a group walking around, uh, which, who's, who's asking the questions? And what are the questions? Do they really are interested or is this just uh, conversation that is to be thrown away. So yes, my mother had a had a dream for me that I would be quiet and that I would remember the hurts. So I think we have to be empathetic and pray that God will help us be a part of that in some way. Uh, but I'm indebted to my mother for that. That's a, a, a great. Um mission really connecting uh, our ministry with the world's hurts. Uh, I'm, I'm glad that stuck with you. This may be an extension of the same question, but it, 
you have a different perspective than uh, many of our members uh, who may be at the beginning of a communications career, in the middle of it. I think we all had youthful optimism when we started wanting to change the world, and maybe that changes over the years as reality sets in, but, uh, uh, but you certainly have a perspective um, that many of us don't. Uh, do you ever have any of those, if I knew then, what I know now kind of moments, or maybe to put it another word, is there one or two things in addition to what you just said that you would share with a young communicator or somebody just starting out uh, that would be a benefit of your, your years of experience? I don't know how this might affect the members, but I grew up in an environment in which I believed, I heard my father who's a minister, um, I had some dear, dear friends who were director of missions. Uh, and I grew up in, a, in an environment in which they emphasized the call of God. And I believed that. At that time, I thought the only way to answer the call of God was either be a pastor, a, a missionary, and preferably a foreign missionary. <laughs> uh, but that's changed for me. It's, it's given me an insight into God's will, I think, that I've had. So as I've moved through working with uh, various kinds of projects and with groups, I, in the back of my mind, will say, Lloyd, you, you know you're called. How does that affect there? I remember going to see my aged father in Oklahoma City after I had been asked to work for a governor of the state of North Carolina. And it was very important for me to hear my father's affirmation. I didn't know where he was going because I knew that he felt like I probably ought to have been a pastor. I was a pastor for two, in two churches in Oklahoma, a great benefit to me. And since then, I've been in a preaching ministry in many ways. But we were sitting in the front room, and I told my dad what a job offer was. It was about, and I said to him, you know, I think as a Christian, it may be the best kind of job I've ever had, to be assigned to be on the side of the citizen until I couldn't be. And he sat there for a long time. And he said, well, Floyd, if that's what you feel like the call of God is, then you can't walk on water until you get out of the boat. From then on, I felt like he, he affirmed the calling and the job that had been placed before me. So yes, what would I do differently? Or did I learn something? Mm -hmm. uh, and the answer is hopefully yes. Um, well, I mean, it's pretty practical, but I should have learned a long time ago when I went to work for somebody that I needed to stay in touch with them. I needed to listen to the CEO, not my agenda, but theirs. And so I, I learned the hard way <laughs> that that was not the best approach that I need to be in tune with my CEO or my executive director. And I had some wonderful ones. Uh, the other thing is, it's probably not a good way to say it, but 
I think I would choose the crosses I would die on. I've made it, unfortunately, I've died on a lot of small crosses. It's assumed my time. And I didn't depend on the Lord to give me guidance on those matters. I wasn't, I shouldn't have been obsessed with a lot of things that I could have done more important things. So choose the crosses on which you die. Not that you die, but choose what your battles are, wherever you are, and be careful about that. And the other thing is that I, I think I needed always to remember who my primary audience was, particularly among Baptists. When I worked for Southwestern Seminary, prospective students happened to be my primary audience. But no, it was also my boss at Southwestern <laughs> Seminary. Uh, I think we had a similar boss, Dr. Seeley, mm -hmm. John Seeley. My boss at Southwestern happened to be Bill Moyers. And, uh, but they were, they're the ones who I listened to. Um, when I went to work for Oklahoma Baptist, I did have bosses, but I had to remember that we were serving churches. We forget that, we were in an office. I used to tell a fellow who was an artist and we were trying to do materials to help people know about Jesus. And he said after we looked at it and a copy was written and art was done, he said, let's have some people who don't know about Jesus read this out loud to us. Oh, okay. So we did and we discovered we had missed the boat. Wow. So it got rewritten by people who didn't know Jesus because they then began to say, you know, that benefit is not for me. I want to keep this benefit, but it doesn't tell us about that. Will you do that ch change? Yes, we will. So we learned about how we ought to focus on our audience. Uh, I've never forgotten that. That's a good word. As you look back, um, and you've offered many words of encouragement to our current membership, but uh, what stands out as uh, both the, the value and the purpose uh, for this organization in your career and in your life? Thank you for that question. Um, the friends that I've had over the years have come out of that organization. I genuinely believe there is a common bond between the members of the association. You have, you have simple, some of the same technology, some of the same work, but I can't think of a state now, a lot of them are gone, that I couldn't name a person like Jack Brimer. Mm. Or I couldn't name David Morris in Alabama. Or Dick McCartney in Texas. And I could name those men and women who I first friended, befriended at the BPRA and at these association meetings. 
um, that was not the foundation for my professional guidance and for friendship. You know, I suspect if you really thought about it, you probably couldn't mention more than five people who are really friends that you trust with your life. My five have come out of that crowd. Still do if they're still alive. <laughs> and so I, I value them greatly. The other thing that made it so possible and so much fun, it was fun, by the way, um, is the fact that a whole lot of windows, big windows, got opened for me that I wouldn't have had otherwise. And I can't say enough about how it influenced me. It was simply selfish. But these were my friends. Um, and I can remember on several occasions when I faced a problem within the State Convention or in the Christian Life Commission or wherever it was, um, I'd call one of them and say, hey, what do you think about this? What should I do about this? How did you handle it when you had this problem? And they would tell me and I'd follow it. So I hope I haven't overstressed that, but it, it's, it's extremely meaningful. And I hope this organization will take its responsibility pretty heavy about, uh, I know it does, with helping its membership be supportive of each other. Well, Floyd, thank you for your contribution to our field of work in Christian communications and for the investment you've made that, like any of us, when you invest in somebody else, you'll never see the end result because the generation impacts a generation. But personally and, and collectively, thank you for what you mean to so many of us and for your encouragement. And Floyd, thank you very much for your time. Thank you. Earlier today, I looked back at some Baptist Press stories about Floyd and discovered an interesting line in a March 10th, 1967 release. The story began, the Christian Life Commission of the Southern Baptist Convention elected Floyd A. Craig of Oklahoma City to a recently created position as Director of Public Relations for the Commission. Then a few lines later it read, Foy Valentine, Executive Director of the CLC, said Craig's coming will greatly strengthen the Commission's total ministry in the field of applied Christianity. I realized this line was meant to reflect the work of the CLC, but it reminded me that what Floyd was doing in 1967 is what we all set out to do every day, tell the stories of applied Christianity. This episode of A Good Word has been an excellent moment for us all. Doug Rogers, thank you so much for bringing us this interview. You were not only in front of the microphone, but behind the scenes as well. And thanks to all of you for joining us.